This episode is brought to you by Seen Unseen Disneyland by Russell Flores, a book all about the things you see but don't really see at Disneyland. Grab your copy at all major online retailers. Also, every copy sold provides one piece of bacon to an underprivileged Russell. Hello, and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And I here I am sitting here, and I'm going through these envelopes that came to the P.O. box today, and they're all decorated really nicely. Hmm, like a pimp my envelope type thing? Kinda, yeah. I mean, these people are really talented, these cadets who are sending things in. I'm a fan. Of us or of them? Well, both, actually. Oh, good, good. We should hold okay, a contest okay. for, like, most creatively uh, bedazzled, self-addressed stamped envelope or something. As long as it's legal. Uh, it'll be legal. Wait, what? What are we talking oh, about? Well, I don't know. I mean, the post Postal Service might stop an envelope that's a little too creative. That's true. They may get a little jealous. They may want it to keep it for know. themselves. Because there are quite a few that are, like, actually hanging in my office, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so Get them framed. Exactly. But uh, yeah. don't forget to send in your self-addressed stamped envelopes to P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And you know, that way we can send you your official cadet membership cards and stickers and such as well. Okay, so I guess we have to have a caveat before we start this trip report. Oh, good, I'm hungry. Okay, sorry, caveat means warning, not like a food you get to eat. Oh, I thought you said caviar. I don't know, it's because I don't even like caviar. Caviar? I don't know. Some people have... I'm sorry, go on, just go on. That's from those highfalutin podcasts. Oh, I do play the flute, thank you. (laughs) Okay, well, anyways, my, my warning before we start the trip report, this is not a visit to a local haunt. Oh... Because I would be too scared. I'm disappointed. <laughs> there were some scary parts in this, and I had to go the other way. But anyway, so a, a few weeks ago, I got an email from Visit North Carolina. Yeah, I live in North Carolina. Did you go? I went, oh, I went, never mind. I went, I went to visit here, you know? And it said that there was an exhibit at the North Carolina Museum of History in Raleigh, which is our state capital, called Starring NC, or Starring North Carolina. And it was all about North Carolina and the movie industry. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? I didn't know. Uh, and, and, yeah, <laughs> of course not. So what caught my attention from the email was a blurb that said there were props from Iron Man 3 and the coonskin cap that was worn by Fess Parker and Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Wait, did they film and, that in North Carolina, Davy Crockett? Uh, parts of it were filmed in the Appalachian Mountains. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. and they did not let you put on the coonskin cap. Oh, I thought they would let you put it on and then it would tell you what house you're in. Yeah, yeah, it was kind Gryffindor. of scary. Like, Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, it was kind of scary, though, because when I got real close enough to see it, if you, I tried to get pictures, but I couldn't. You could see the face of the raccoon. Oh, really? The cap. Yeah, I was oh. like, oh, that's gross. Okay, never mind. Gross. 
Yeah, so anyway, so so the exhibit itself is subtitled 100 Years, 3,000 Films. I hope that's an accurate so, statistic. I do, too. Yeah, who knew? Uh, I, I was pretty excited to see the Iron Man props, and that's how I convinced my 11-year-old to go with us on his family trip, because usually it's some kind of bribe. Not we're going to go see a cool museum, but, you know, there's something specific we're going to give you. Um, but I was, I was really surprised once we got there at the depth and the size of the exhibit. So it was pretty cool. The, the North Carolina History Museum is located very close to the legislative building in, in Raleigh. And the only reason I bring that up is because it looks like an early Epcot Center type building, which is kind of weird. Like they designed it here and said, hmm, it's a little too ugly. We'll, you know, design something better in Epcot. And also, it's close to the State Library of North Carolina, so you know I had to go there. Weird. But I've been there before. I've been in the State Library before. Anyway, uh, the exhibit debuted in November 2014 and is running through September 2015. So if you want to visit it, you know, it may not be worth a trip just for this. But it it was a great exhibit nonetheless. Anyway, uh, it was $10 per adult and $6 for students. And that did include college students, any age from there. And like a lot of other museums that you're seeing across the country, they're moving towards, you know, the overall museum is free, but they're making you pay for special exhibits. And I thought $10 per person wasn't too bad, especially if you spend some time there. The Starring NC exhibit is on the third floor of the museum, and you pick up a sticker, which you put somewhere on your shirt or I guess your body or somewhere, uh, when you buy your tickets that lets you pass the docent, so to speak. And the entire exhibit is about 8,000 square feet, which I thought was really pretty large for what it is. So one of the first things that you see uh, is the Stark bunny. In that, not the big giant, you know, 30 foot tall bunny that they feature in the film, but a smaller one, you know, that you could carry around. And then the outfit for the Headless Horseman from Sleepy Hollow. Christopher Walken? Uh, yeah, no, the, no, the television show, Sleepy Hollow, which oh. is filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina. You got me really overall. excited. Yeah, I know, I know. It, and I also have to, uh, a friend of mine who complains about the show because it's not a true Hessian outfit, blah, 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 but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> so overall, we, we, we spent at least two hours in the exhibit as the family. And I really could have spent a lot more time, uh, especially looking at the stuff at the beginning of the exhibit that was all about displays not only just on filmmaking in North Carolina but filmmaking in general I had a, a rotoscope an example of rotoscope which was kind of fun I mean lots of black and white images and stills and information about the famous people that were born or grew up in North Carolina that made it big in Hollywood uh, and apparently a lot of the films uh, were made in North Carolina from studios in New York because it's a great alternative to the city. It was a lot cheaper, really uh, great weather, and a lot of great scenery. Tax especially breaks. Especially in the... Yeah, and tax breaks. Well, this was back in the 1900s. But, you know, apparently uh, a lot nicer to film in the mountains of North Carolina than in the, the heat of the city at times. So um, there were a lot of different, you know, monitors that showed some of the early film clips when they could. But most of the time they were just film stills and images and stuff. Uh, and, and from there, the exhibit itself, I thought, was pretty eclectic. It, it didn't have as much of a rhyme or reason to it as, as I would have liked, but there was a lot of meandering and looking at the films and the different film projects, and there were really a lot of them. Uh, the, the press release that they, that they gave out talked about the, the movie scene in North Carolina, they said, changed dramatically in the 1980s when Dino De Laurentiis arrived to film 
Firestarter, based on a Stephen King novel, and he liked the area so much that he built a studio in Wilmington and launched what they're calling the Path to Hollywood East. And they said, of course, there have been hundreds of movies, independent films, made-for-TV movies, documentaries that have been filmed across the state. Um, a lot of the exhibits and the displays themselves were uh, standalone exhibits, so to speak. Sort of like a column in the middle of the floor, and you would walk around a lot of them. And each area or each one dedicated to a film or a television show had a major prop piece like a costume or something like that. Uh, there were images from the film, images from the productions, and also information about the production, the stars and the crew and stuff like that. And they did something kind of fun where they scattered a lot of the Iron Man references throughout the whole exhibit. Because, of course, that's every time we found one, the 11-year-old got really, really excited. So it kept him you know, engaged had, for the entire time. Sort of, yeah. There were, there, was, there were parts that was a little bit too much for him, being an 11-year-old, but there were some really cool hands-on um, exhibits that they have. But there was the Iron, uh, the Stark Bunny at the beginning, and then there's uh, several things from the crew, like special Iron Man t-shirts they had on display that they gave out to the crew, as well as a solid gold skull keychain that um, a certain star of the Iron Man films gave to everybody on the crew. And they were little tiny solid gold 14 karat skulls. Nice. It was very weird. Very weird. But it was on display there. And then they had a making of how they made that scene in Iron Man 3 where they uh, the presidential airplane blows up and the Iron Man costume has to Iron Man has to save everybody. As they're flying they out of the airplane? airplane? As they're flying out of the airplane. I think that's yeah. an extra on the Blu-ray. Yeah, it, it talked about how they did that, but they actually had pieces of the uh, costume there after oh, that's it had cool. broken apart. Yeah, so you could see that close up. And there was a Foley exhibit there as well. And it was sort of like Rock Band. Did you know what Foley could... was beforehand? Yes, I did. Yes, okay. I did. Because I had seen some stuff at uh, Disney's MGM Studios about Foley work. Sounds dangerous. Um, Yes, it does. I wouldn't want to go through it twice. Um, <laughs> but it, it basically, they, they showed a film, and you could pick between a action film or a horror film. And you and picked I action did go film. Through the, I picked the horror film. What? Who are I, you? I tried, I tried to be brave. I was with my 11-year-old, so he was he was making me there. But they had little things that you could follow when the, the screen flashed a certain color you knew to make a certain noise to go with it. Like, ooh, and, that kind of thing? Well, there were some things where you had to make noises like that. <laughs> Well, there were some other things that might be notable to some people who may not have an in or may have an interest outside of like Iron Man and stuff like that. There was the uh, velvet robe and severed ear, gross, from the 1986 Blue Velvet film. There was also the jacket worn by Kevin Costner in Bull Durham, so you can stand in front of it and think about that whole speech that he gives and blah 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 and there was even leonardo's mask from the 1990 movie teenage mutant ninja turtles what which is moment. yeah i did not know leonardo dicaprio even wore a mask in that i did not know not either at not that's, at all makes total surprising. sense though makes he's the king of the world so he's allowed to do whatever he wants yeah he can do what he wants to with that so but probably the coolest thing outside of the Disney stuff with Iron Man and the coonskin cap from Davy Crockett was Ricky Bobby's number 26 Wonder Bread race car from oh. the amazing Talladega, Talladega Nights. Oh, yes. Film, That's amazing. Which was uh, filmed in uh, Charlotte uh, Speedway and the Rockingham Speedway. Did you take it home Just with you? I, I tried to climb into it, and then that's sort of the end of the trip report. <laughs> 
I guess. No, but I did get some great photos of it. You know, if you're in the area, in Raleigh, in North Carolina, anywhere stopping by, I think it's a fun diversion. You'll learn a lot about how movies were made in North Carolina, all the famous movies. I think you'll really be surprised everything was out there. And you know, it was a good time. It was a good time. And there's a couple great museums down there. And as I mentioned, you can laugh at the odd legislative building. That's all we'll say. <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was exciting to finally do a trip report. It's been a long time since you've done one. Yeah, since it has I've been. done one. Since yeah. I've done one. So since I had to take control of the mic. But uh, well, if you have any you know questions or thoughts on the Starring North Carolina exhibit, or if you visit it, let us know what you think. Give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Goat Line at four two four seven eight five four six two eight. That's four two four seven eight five Goat. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book is Zodiac Legacy Convergence. And it was a, a review title that sort of showed up rather unexpectedly. I didn't even know it was coming out, and it just showed up from Disney Publishing. And I was like, hey, read this and enjoy it. So anyway, uh, it's written by Stan Lee. Wait, yes. did they actually say that on the package? Enjoy it? <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> I was trying to pep it up a little bit. Gotcha. Um, so as, as I was saying, it, it was written or is written by Stan Lee and Stuart Moore. And yes, that's Stan Lee of Marvel, Avengers fame, comic books, you name it, with uh, illustrations by Andy Tong. And, you know, I was, I was actually pretty excited when the book came in because it's got a fantastic cover. And it's Stan Lee. Who doesn't love Stan Lee? I mean, anyway. If you don't love so, Stan Lee, you're not human. Exactly. You're a scroll. Exactly. <laughs> but, but based on the blurb that I read, it, it looked like a, a pretty cool series to start. One that easily could be adapted into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or even as just a video game. It sort of looked like they uh, wrote it with that in mind as well. We meet a young man who's about 14 or about an 8th grader named Stephen Lee. And as far as I can tell, there's no relation to Stan Lee besides the last name. <laughs> Couldn't tell. Uh, and he was on a class field trip to Hong Kong, which seems kind of weird to me. Our class field trips never went outside of the city. Especially in 8th grade. Yeah, 8th grade. And his, he's, he's, his parents are very successful business people, so they're sort of not in the picture very often, which is kind of weird. Uh, but while on a tour of the museum in Hong Kong, he follows a tour guide after hearing muffled cries and screams coming from the basement levels, which is exactly what I wouldn't do. I'd sort of go the other way. You would I'd go like, in the nope, opposite direction. I'm not going to do this one. Uh, and so once, once he reaches the lower chambers of this museum, because it's pretty massive, we meet the tour guide who is screaming. Her name is Jasmine. We meet another gen gentleman named Carlos, and then we meet Maxwell, who wears the, uh, the mantle throughout the book of a megal megalomaniacal supervillain, and he does it very, very, very well. The, the title Zodiac, you know, it's sort of how does the Zodiac power fit in here? Um, Maxwell, the aforementioned supervillain, is trying to capture the 12 Zodiac powers while Jasmine and Carlos are trying to stop it. And something goes awry, as it does in every great book, and the Zodiac power is channeled into the world and zaps some unsuspecting teens around the world, including Steven, with the Zodiac powers. And I know you're thinking, Zodiac powers? Hmm? What? Huh? Huh? Uh, there are 12 powers, according to the book, based on the Chinese Zodiac. 
dog, dragon, rat, rabbit, horse, snake. You know, you've seen them on the menus. Try to figure out what year you are. Uh, and each each one of the Zodiac has a... Well, you've done it, haven't you? I have, uh, but that, your point of reference for that is just hilarious to me. Oh, okay, good, good. So it, each one of them has a different strength, which will come into play. And the interesting thing about the book, it is geared towards teens and tweens. Obviously, with an eighth grade hero, that gives you the age range. All the good guys are kids, and all the bad guys are adults. I don't know. So there you go, kids. Adults are Might evil. be an agenda. Yeah, adults Bottom are line. You heard it first on Communicore Weekly. Um, <laughs> the book is really, really, really long, and it took me a long time to get through it and a long time to get into it. It took almost 150 pages before I was... I felt like I wanted to continue to read it. And the only reason I read it is because I just wanted it to be good. Um, Andy Tong illustrated a lot of the different uh, scenes in the book, usually the key action scenes, and that really helped bridge the gap between being you know, just a juvenile fiction book and a comic book. I think something like that was would help pull some reticent readers into it. I still didn't feel like there were enough illustrations throughout the book, though, to keep me keep me going, keep me interested. But the last 100 pages were really action-packed, but it felt like it just dragged on way too long. And honestly, you know, this book is geared towards probably my guess is you know, uh, early teens and tweens that are having a hard time reading, and they might want something like a superhero book to get them into the the mode of reading. You know, we call those, as I've mentioned before, the reticent readers. And this book is just not going to excite them at all. I was trying to think of who the audience is, but after reading it, I couldn't come across it. Um, it ain't you. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Uh, I love the idea. I love the concept. I really wouldn't recommend it for adult readers unless you're a fan of like everything Stanley has done. Uh, as I said, I do like where the story is headed. It needs to be very concise in the future. It's just way too much story that just didn't go anywhere. Um, and it was, it was almost like the authors really spent too much time developing the characters as regular kids. So you'd, you'd connect with them. And, you know, they had, they had lots of different types of kids from all over the world. So you had a really good mixture. And, and the addition of the illustrations was really well done, added a lot to the book, was enough to put it over the edge for me, um, especially considering that's a superhero book and this is something I should really love, should have liked. Um, I don't know. Overhand, I can't really recommend it unless you need something to read. <laughs> That's a ringing <laughs> and, endorsement. Yeah, and, you, and you like Stan Lee. Like I mentioned, I really enjoyed the last 100 pages, but going through the first 200 pages to get there just wasn't my idea of fun. Yeah, I'm still on the first 150. Like This is probably the first time we both got the same book to review, and I yeah. have not completed it at the time of review. I mean, I'm I'm still less than 150 pages in, and I just can't get into it. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll finish it eventually because I, I, I have this thing where I have to finish every book that I start. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, something about it is just not the best, and I don't really like it all that much. But uh, I don't know. If there's future chapters and you recommend them, I will definitely power through yeah. this. But we'll, we'll take, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till something else comes out. Yeah, So fair enough. We've run across other YA series, especially like the stuff by Ian Colfer, which is phenomenal. Great yeah. storytelling. This just was missing something. Um, but if you're interested, you know, and you like superheroes and the, the Zodiac power sounds kind of cool to you, you know, check it out. You know, go to your local library and ask them for a copy. It is The Zodiac Legacy by Stan Lee, and I'm going to forget the other person's name, and Stuart Moore. Stan Lee and Stuart Moore. Here's another minute that you can't get back. It's the 60 Tech Review. 
The time has come for Big Hero 6 to be out on Blu-ray. And Yay! guys, thank you for the cheering. I was very excited. I worked very hard on this film. <laughs> Just kidding. I had nothing to do with it. But I did watch it, and it was amazing. Uh, That's right. You didn't see it in the theater, did you? I didn't see it in the theater. I, I did not see it until it showed up in my house. We just didn't get a chance to see it in the theater for one reason or another. Oh, and yeah. I was totally blown away by it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we saw it in the theater, took the whole family. Everybody walked out, just loved it. Yeah, it's great. It, you, know? It, you know, and this is not a dig at it at all, but it felt like Marvel light. So, like, if sure. there's yeah. little kids in your family, you don't think they can handle, you know, the, the Marvel Avengers films. or captain america yeah, yeah exactly this is a good starter film for, a good starter superhero film for them i think um yeah and, actually, and, but it was good it was marvel light in a good way i really enjoyed yeah. it and and this is an actual was it a marvel studio no it's a disney film no it's a disney it's film marvel. yeah they just it's not pixar people have gotten confused about that but um we actually saw um saw it in the theater and then we got a preview disney movie anywhere code that we downloaded which you can then watch on itunes and then you watched it anywhere Google Play. We did watch. Well, we watched in the family room. We watched. Uh, I think. I think I watched it twice. And my youngest son, the superhero freak, he must have watched it six or seven times. Showed all of his friends. <laughs> um, love the movie. Love the characters. Love the look of it. It is gorgeous. It is probably one of the most beautiful films that Disney's done in a long time because the San Francisco San Francisco. Landscape is beautiful. The entire aesthetic of the city itself—it oh, it's it felt like a, another character in the film, and they really yeah. showcased it well. I thought, I thought it was great. Oh, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm sure indicate. most people may not know this that it, it was an actual Marvel comic book. Uh, yep. There's two different editions of it, and the the movie has nothing to do with the original comic. I mean, <laughs> character names no. are the same, but that's pretty much where the similarities end. Uh, the comic is pretty dark, to be honest with you. Um, but this was great. Um, I mean, I, I think everybody knows how much people enjoyed it already, how, you know, great, you know, typical Disney heartfelt, hits you right in the feels. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. you know, maybe we should just talk about the extras a little bit yeah. and the but fun things on there. Looks beautiful on Blu-ray, looked great on Disney Movie Anywhere, sounded spectacular. Yes, it did. As well, it just, it blew me away on so many levels. So the, the specials, um, it came with the short film Feast, which was pretty neat. The Disney movie Anywhere download came with an additional short with Mickey Mouse in Tokyo. Oh, really? And I can't remember the name off the hand, but uh, my youngest and I, we just laughed all the time. It was fantastic. It's the new modern Mickey shorts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely spectacular. Um, and Feast was cute. I, I do like Feast quite movie a bit. Theater. Yeah, that was an adorable story about a, a bulldog name winston i actually saw it here at work in in 3d when we were screening some short films and oh, cool. uh quite quite enjoyed it again when i watched it on blu-ray even not in 3d that's nice that's nice yeah. um and the rest of it they had some pretty much some making of it um the the origin of the origin story of big hero six hero's journey was really really good i thought yeah like, that was background, cool the development of it i like the uh the big animator six thing uh that had yes. you know a little bit about the animators of the film behind it um could i it, it's just cool to, to see their their process and how they actually made it. Uh, I, I like that kind of stuff. It, it was really neat. Yeah, and after watching that scene, I'm pretty sure there are a few of the animators 
actually in the robotics lab that you see at the beginning. Oh, I'm sure. Of the film. I'm sure they put themselves in there. Why not? Yeah, which was fantastic. Need I mean, faces? Use your own. <laughs> use your own. <laughs> and yeah, they had some deleted scenes uh, and an alternate opening, which was pretty eye-opening and would have changed the mood of the movie altogether. Yeah, I agree. But I don't and, want. Don't say anything about that. Let them. No, see I won't. I won't. I won't. It was. It was absolutely fantastic. You know, uh, if you haven't seen it. This is a definite purchase. Uh, with, sight unseen, I would buy this movie. Absolutely, I think many people would yeah. say the same thing. It's just a, a great film, great visuals, a lot yeah. of heart, a lot of laughs. And Baymax great. is an amazing character. What else can we say about Baymax that hasn't been said already? I mean, I know. Baymax. Absolutely That's amazing. It. Wonderful character. Um, stole our hearts. Everybody fell in love with him immediately. Loved it. Need to go out and buy it now, now, now. Now, buy it now. Buy it now, now, so now. That's two Kuminakura Weekly thumbs up from us. Totes. All right, well, guys. Six, six of them. Six, six of them. Six of thumbs. That means Got it's it. great. Go and get it now. I hope you're satisfied with this Blu-ray review. <laughs> sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. Walking around Toontown at Disneyland, you'll see a lot of crazy stuff. And if you go into any of the characters' houses, it's like a five-legged goat overload. There's so many goats everywhere. Five-legged go overload? Goat-a-load? Goat-a-load, that's better. Goat-a-load, let's go with that. Um, so the next time you're in Mickey Mouse's house, take a look around his living room, and you'll find his passport, because we all know that the mouse travels an awful lot. Now, Mickey's birthday on the passport is shown as November 18, 1928, which was the release date of Steamboat Willie. But that's not all on the passport. Look at the stamps within the book as well, and you'll see that he had visited plenty of other places at very particular times. Now, for example, on October 1, 1971, he visited Orlando, Florida. And mm. then on April 15, 1983, he visited Tokyo, Japan. And then finally, on April 12, 1992, <laughs> he flew into the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, France. Now, why these places at these particular times? Obviously, they all correspond to opening days of Walt Disney World, Tokyo Disneyland, and Euro Disney, respectively. So it's kind of strange that they actually didn't put the Hong Kong one on there yet, but Shanghai mm. is opening soon, so maybe he's going for a two-for-one trip there. That I might mean, be what it is, yeah. It's a little yeah. cheaper if you do it all at once. <laughs> or they would have to redo the whole prop. That mouse is on a budget, guys. I totally understand. <laughs> totally understand. But now we've come to the time of the show where we <gasps> announce the prize winner for this week of the year of a million or so limited-time cadets. Uh, this week's prize is a copy of Seen Unseen Disneyland by Russell Flores. Thank you, Russell, for donating the prize. Uh, we will get that out to the winner shortly. And as a sidebar, the second edition, or Seen Unseen Disneyland 2, Electric Boogaloo, not final title, I made that up right now, uh, that will be coming later on this year, so keep an eye out for that as well. But this week's prize winner is Wenny, I'm sorry, Wenny, jeez, what is wrong with me? Wendy S. from Indianapolis, Indiana. So congratulations, Wendy. Uh, you'll be receiving your book shortly, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and don't forget, you can still enter the prize. It's not too late. We'll be doing it until the end of season four. Just send an email to communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name, address, and your birthday, at least the month and the day. Because obviously we're sending out weekly prizes to different people, but other special things 
on the birthday. Heck yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly. Please, wherever you're listening or watching us, you know, leave a comment, rate us on iTunes. Just let us know what you think of this week's show. Yep. And in addition to entering the year of a million or so limited time cadets, you can email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com just to tell us anything cool you want to. Whatever. No bigs. Yeah, uh, we're fine. You can also like us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash communicoreweekly. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Imaginerding. He's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, you can always leave us a voicemail on the Communico Weekly Goat Line at 424-785-4628. Be sure to visit CommuniCoreWeekly.com and click on the link for the Communa Store where you can pick up awesome t-shirts and a copy of Communico Weekly, the musical. And of course, send your <laughs> self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And I will send you back your official cadet membership card. Uh, Amanda, not very funny, the envelope you sent me this week. Thank uh, you very uh, much. Uh, not the, the Soren one? Yes, the Soren one. You're a little sore about that one? I... Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there, and I don't like it. Okay, well, moving on, uh, we would love for your support on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash Weekly and check out what that means and some of the special goodies you can get. There's another s- secret exclusive video on there for the people that have supported us. It's actually pretty funny, so check it awesome. out. Okay, so for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Go, go.